Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire MMA. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, alongside the co-host and analyst of Fight IQ, Chris Olson and Sun Tzu. And tonight on deck, we have UFC Hamburg. Our main event is Mauricio Shogun Hua. That's right. He's still around. Shogun Hua taking on Anthony Lionheart Smith. Interesting card. I have some more hot takes for you this episode. These guys can tell you why I'm crazy. I'm not as confident as last week. And usually I defer to, 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 to these two gentlemen, but I, I had such a good week that I have to rub it in Chris's face a little bit. So, Chris, have you recovered from my hot takes hitting last week? Uh, I just have to tell you, sir, you're not the only one here who picked Barcelos to win. I just have to remind you of that fact. But no, I, I don't you, you, hit, you hit the exact, though. I'll, I'll give it to you. That, that That's impressive. But uh, I'm going to get back on the ball this week, so I'm ready to begin. And, and as a teaser, guys, we were doing our, our pre-episode uh, talk here, and me and Chris dis- disagree in a few places. Surprise. So... Joe, how was your week, and are you ready to play mediator yet again, even though I'm the host and it seems like you're breaking all the ties? Well, say it with me, V-A-R-I-A-N-C-E. That is going to be this card. I mean, if I thought last week was a GPP card, this week is even more of a GPP card. On a scale of 1 to 10, there's maybe one fight that I would rate a 7 in terms of confidence in the outcome. Um, other than that, this is a, uh, 
I, I tweeted out earlier in the week, you know, should I, should I develop a core um, for, for mass entry GPP? Should I work on developing a core or should I just spread? It, it's the latter because I, can't, I couldn't come up with a core. Well, um, an interesting strategy, and, and if you're going to do it, some, something I ended up doing last week because it was a GPP card, and it worked for me. And I'm, I'm still not totally sold on it, but I built a core, but not around – usually I build my core around favorites and mix in my underdogs. This, I think, could be a card where you find the underdogs have that you think have the highest upside and mix in your favorites from there, and if your underdogs hit, you're going to take something down. If not, you know, it's a GPP card. Well, so far I'm at 85 lineups. Um, last week I played 115. I'm at 85 lineups. Um, You're slacking. You're slacking. Oddly, oddly enough, the the lineup that hit the nuts for me, you know, winning the eight dollar, I didn't even know that I I had it until after the fight, uh, the Norcut fight. I was actually rooting for Zach Otto because I was following all my primaries and my primary lineup that was the closest to to being in the money had Zach Otto in it. So, like, I'm rooting for Zach Otto. And I then told you. Norcut wins the fight. It goes final. And I hit refresh. And I'm like, holy shit, where did that come from? You know, like, and then I, I realized I was, you know, I just needed Junior DeSantos to not score, you know, 93 points. And, and I, I was going to tie for first in the $8, which is what happened. So it worked so, out. So congratulations on that. And these young fighters, guys. All right. So now that I've gotten, I, I've, I've gloated for sure. You might want to fade all my picks, but <laughs> let's get into the picks for, for this week. I know we have a disagreement on tap, but before we do that, I want to make sure everyone goes to rotowire.com slash free. Check out all their usually paid premium content for nothing for 10 days. No credit card required. The MMA stuff is free, but they have stuff for, all the daily fantasy sports and season-long season-long football starting. So go in there, check that out. No credit card required. The usual plugs. Follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at the DFS Sniper with one S. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sunsu. Let's jump in. It is Damian Stasiak, 8,200, taking on one of the many UFC debutantes on this card, Lou Pinguan. He is 8,000. The odds on this fight, Damian Stasiak is up to a minus 115 favorite. Uh, Pinguan Lu is minus 105. Uh, Stasiak's been bet up a little bit. He actually opened as a small underdog at plus 100, which seemed crazy to me because what you can find of Pinguan Lu, it's not pretty. He can't stop a double leg. He he has a little bit of wrestling his own and an overhand. I don't think he's UFC caliber at all. I know people don't like Damien Stasiak, Chris. But he was in close fights with guys like Pedro Munoz. He went three rounds with him. Munoz took him down twice. Close fight with uh, Brian Kelleher. Fade at the end. Kelleher, uh, Kelleher finished him. He's got a win over David Grant, which we're going to talk about later in the Manny Bermudez fight. Overall, I know Stasiak isn't great, but at least to me, he's a UFC caliber fighter. He's gonna, he has at least one takedown in all of his UFC fights. Nine over his four fight, nine in his last four fights. Uh, 10 in his five UFC fights, two and three in the UFC. I think he does enough to get the job done here in 8,200. I'm definitely going to be mixing him in. He's my preferred play. Chris, why do you like Lee or Lou Pinguan so much? Well, well b- before you paint me as the number one Stasiak hater, I will say that I, I did, I picked him against David Grant in that fight. But uh, having said that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not all that impressed with him. It's, it's true. I, um, 
I like the fact that that he's he's rounded out his game a little bit more here. You know, he 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 likes to lean on that single leg. He was getting it in the David Grant fight. He wasn't getting it in the Brian Kelleher fight, and that was more or less the difference. Um, otherwise, he's very much karate based. He likes that spinning back kick. Um, he'll he'll blitz forward with punching combinations. Um, you know, good on the ground, of course. Got uh, David Grant in the uh, the armbar from the guard there. So, you know, probably more from Damien Stasiak than you might think if you just look him up and, and see that he's a karate stylist. I wouldn't fade our, our new fighter entirely. Yes, it's true that you can't find much on him and what you can find is old. But um, he seems sort of like a, 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 a jack-of-all-trades master of none to me. He's got a little bit of everything. He's got a little bit of wrestling. He's got a little bit of pressure striking. He's got a little bit of a submission game. He... I did see him lock up a triangle in a fight that's probably five or six years old at this point. Um, I understand that you can't base too much on what you see from those fights, but that also means that other people are probably going to fade him entirely. And in a fight against a guy like Stasiak, who is going to shut down if he gets pressured, we saw that in the Kelleher fight, um, that's that's a good thing for us potentially. Uh, if everybody stays off him or goes really heavy on Stasiak, we get a guy who is at least aggressive, at least has some power, and at least can mix in some other elements of the game as well. So I would say Stasiak is probably going to win the fight. I don't have enough cojones to actually uh, pick Ling Young outright. But I will say don't fade him entirely because I don't think he's going to be very highly owned. I think most people would expect him to be more of a 6,900, 7,000 range. So for that reason, I think they're going to stay off him. And I think, um, you know, Stasiak's tough, so it might be tough to finish him. But I think that an aggressive fighter who can pressure Stasiak could see some results. So I would say mix in accordingly. Joe Brake, our first kind of tie. I will say this is the first variance fight of the card, Chris. There's a lot of – I think people are going to be really tempted to overspread their ownership. I think that's going to be a common thing. People are – they're going to want exposure here because they're not confident and, and really spread themselves too thin. You can't cover all, all the outcomes in GPP, even playing 150 lineups like Joe. So that's why this is one of those spots where at least they have somewhat of a known, a known commodity here in, in, in Stasiak. Um, but that being said, Joe, how do you have this fight? Okay, so we, we spent a lot of time already on this fight, so I'll keep it relatively simple. There is um, both some recency bias and a narrative to support both the line movement and, you know, backing uh, Ping in this fight. Uh, the recency bias is that we all know that uh, China is is Brazil 2.0, right? Because of the recent success of Chinese fighters, um, you know, that people are willing to take a stab and support, um, you know, Chinese fighters, despite the fact that there's not a whole lot of tape on them. Um, and what you see is is iffy. The, the narrative is that... Uh, Ping is actually training with Song Kadong in the U.S. Um, I can't recall the camp off the top of my head. It's whatever camp that Song is training at. Um, you know, Lee has also uh, spent some time at Tiger Muay Thai. So he's actually gotten out of China and spent some time at some top-notch camps. Um, I do disagree with Chris, and I think he will. His ownership will be higher than many people think. Um, I, I started the week being very, very high on Stasiak. And, you know, with some of the narrative on Ping, um, I've come a little bit back. Uh, I think this is a fight, 
that maybe you want to target a bit in mid-range. I wouldn't go crazy on this fight. It's certainly not a fight that you need to have 100% exposure to. Um, Stasiak does have the better resume. Um, again, you know, a little bit James Tahuna here in the fact that he has lost to better fighters, um, you know, but he is the more accomplished UFC fighter. Um, I will pick Stasiak as the winner, but it's not a strong endorsement. And this is not the fight where I have the 7 out of 10 confidence on. So I would, I would play both sides in mass entry GPPs. God, I hope this next fight is where you have 7 out of 10 confidence. It is Darko Stosic, 9,300, nope. taking on Jeremy Kimball. Then you're going to have to explain this to me. At 6,900, the line of this fight, uh, Stosic is a minus 250 favorite. Kimball is plus 210. I, I've My own podcast and everywhere else that, that I've talked about this fight, I preface it with, I rate Jeremy Kimball somewhere less than dog shit. Um, I just don't think he's very good. And I'm not including the the Dominic the um, Dominic Reyes fight. Obviously, Reyes is, is going to start you. I, I just I'm I'm not a believer in Kimball. I, I don't think he's very good anywhere. Stozic is the the, the, the protege of uh, Mirko Krokop. What I really like about him is his ability to train to chain wrestle that I've seen on tape. I think his chain wrestling is enough to, enough to get it done. I think he's the more power more powerful striker. Stozik is someone that I'm going to have heavy exposure in. So, Joe, you said no. Why is it not 7 out of 10 confidence? Are you at least picking Darko Stozik? Look, uh, don't get me wrong. I agree with everything you said about Kimball. Um, Shout out to Cody Safrick, who has a a inn at MMA Labs where Kimball spent some time. Um, Apparently, MMA Labs, uh, the the lab had nothing good to say about Kimball. Apparently, um, and I'm, again, I'm quoting Cody Safrick here. Um, you know, he there were days he didn't show up for training. He was lazy. Um, apparently, he's bounced around at camps. I am with you in that I don't think a whole lot of Kimball. However, um, he does have power. Um, and I would like to see some fights um, by Darko against guys who are under 50 years old and have winning records. Um, you know, that is my biggest... This is why he did not get my 7 out of 10 here, although I am picking him to win. Chris, you going with the big upset here? Oh, you guys are going to let me have some fun early here. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that you guys are, are, are so much on, on our friend Darko here. I'm going with uh, Kimball, and the reason is uh, Joe mentioned some of it. Not, not yet. Not yet. Give me a second. Joe mentioned some of it. I mean, a lot of these guys are, you know, 41-year-olds with losing records, and they, they take one check left hook, and, and it knocks them out. Um, but the other thing is, like, I, I mean, Draco isn't a bad fighter. He's got powerful leg kicks. He throws in combination. But by consequence of him not fighting everybody, every single fight he's ever had has been at his pace, exactly what he's wanted, He's a slow-paced fighter anyway. He gets the exact kind of fight he wants. Jeremy Kimball is going to put a ton of pressure on him, and he's going to have to answer that question. He's a creative striker. He's a guy who will blitz at you. Um, his takedown defense isn't great, but I don't know if Draco going to try to take him down. Um, and I think Kimball is going to ask a lot of questions that Draco needs to answer. He might answer them, and that'll be great, but he might not. And if he doesn't, I think Kimball's got the power to knock him out. So, 
I think uh, Kimball is going to be way under-owned, and I appreciate you guys, um, um, you know, uh, joining the cause here and getting him under-owned for me. So I'm going to I'm gonna have exposure to both, don't get me wrong, but I'll have more Kimball, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a knockout come. I, I think you are insane. Like, what MMA skills has he showed you other than a little bit of power? I know Kimball is untested, but dear Lord. Uh, I need to see him. I need to see Draco deal with aggression. I've never seen it. I've never seen him fight anybody, as Joe said, under 40. So, I mean, look, pressure and power. You're not going to see Kimball's aggression. You're going to see Kimball on his back. Pressure and power can win a lot of low-level MMA fights. And right now, that's what this is, until Draco shows me different. So I'm going with the pressure and the power against the untested, uh, I guess if you want to call him a prospect here. This is one. I hope we can find some common ground later. Otherwise, I don't even know what to say. Um, I'm looking. Why? It's more fun this way. I like it better like this. I guess, but, man, this this is a rough one. This I don't want to call it what I think is your worst take because I've had some bad ones too. But who, Jeremy Kimball, team? You know, as as Tom Green said in in our chat on YouTube. Which, by the way, if you're listening to this after the fact, um, if you subscribe to the uh, Rotowire MMA podcast uh, stream, we record these Friday night. Jump in uh, on the YouTube chat. Tom Green and myself are both anti neckbeard, so he's not rostering, not rostering Kimball, nor am I. Moving on, we have Justin Ledette at 8,300, taking on Alexander Rakic at 7,900. Oh, the line on this fight before I get into it. Oh, I had, had Kimball's fight history pulled up. It was depressing. The line on that fight, Alexander Rakic is the underdog at plus 105. Justin Ledette, minus 125. Interesting for me in that this is the light heavyweight fight that I have little DFS interest in. I think it's going to be... Boring stand-up fight. I don't. I mean, Ledet's a boxer. He's has probably one of the best jabs in MMA, which I'm sure everyone has heard from other podcasts over and over again. I think Rockich leg leg kicks could be a factor in this fight. Overall, I think Rockich wins a close decision, but I think it's really tight. But I don't think he, either guy scores well for DFS. Chris. Uh yeah. I um, I'm going with Rakic here, and um. The first thing that, that jumped out to me in this fight is, is that the old uh, axiom, right, or adage or whatever you want to say, uh, you know, kickbox the boxer. And I think that's what uh, Wreckage is going to do here. I, I like his pressure. I like his aggressiveness. Um, he's got good body kicks. He's good in the clinch. He's got good leg kicks. And Ledet is just – look, Ledet is a guy who – I mean, this is reflected in his record. He's basically said as much. He's not interested in finishing. If you remember – if you remember that Chase Sherman fight, he basically had him dead in the third round. Everybody started booing, and he said something like, this isn't cockfighting, blah, blah, blah. He is here to get a paycheck, and that's all he wants, and then he's going home. Um, so he's going to let Ray hang around here. And if you let a powerful kickboxer hang around, um, you know the results might not be so good for you. We've seen that Ledet has a chin. We know that he does, but we also know that Ledet is, is basically – a jab and a hook. Uh, he doesn't have much in the way of power shots. Surprisingly, he has a, a decent amount of submissions on his record, but a couple of those just say submission, and they're from a couple. They're from six or seven years ago, so I'm not really sure that what that's about. Uh, we saw the Godbeard takedown and back take, but 
overall, I think you're right. I think this is going to be a kickboxer versus a boxer. And I'm going to go with the kickboxer to have more tools and get this done. Joe, Rockic or Ledette? Uh, I'm going to go with Ledette here. Um, neither one of you guys mentioned it, but this fight is at light heavy and not heavyweight. That's true. Um, uh, Ledette weighed into his last fight at over 240. Um, he cut weight by be becoming a vegan. My understanding is a vegan. Um, he was walking around at 210. Um, and his, one of his trainers said, you got to start eating meat. You're losing weight too fast. Um, I don't know if the weight loss is going to change the way he fights or not. Um, he is a very technical boxer. Um, you know, he does, he probably could take this to the ground and wrestle. I don't necessarily see that happening unless that's a change in strategy. And just to throw it out there, um, I actually called. Uh, Ledette by submission in that fight against Goodbeer um, at plus 700. Um, uh, but I, I, you know, I would love to see him take this down. Um, but he is such a technical boxer. I just don't see this fight as scoring very highly if it plays out on the feet, um, regardless of who wins. Um, at 8.3K, um, I like it more as a cash play. I'm not crazy about it in GPPs. Um, but I do give the slight nod to Ledette. I think we're all actually in agreement this that fight might not score well, which is which is weird for a light heavyweight fight. Yeah. Next up we have Manny Bermudez, ninety two hundred, taking on Davy Grant at seven thousand. The line in this fight, Manny Bermudez, the line keeps climbing on him. I think I believe he's at minus two seventy. Davy Grant, the comeback is plus two thirty. For me, this is pretty simple. It's I know Manny Bermudez's stand up isn't very good but he's relentless looking for, for the takedown. Even if they're sloppy, Davy Grant, in my mind, he can't stop a takedown. He's going to end up on his back and probably get subbed out of there. I like Davy Grant. I just I don't think he gets it done here. And the way Bermudez fights is DraftKings gold to me. So I like Bermudez. Joe? Yeah, I mean, look, he's a one-trick pony. I'm not a huge fan of the, the Boston fight camps. Um, he's a one-trick pony. He got stung by Albert Morales before he finished him. Um, Grant is a bit better rounded, although Grant is not a super active fighter. Um, he seems to be more involved as a coach than as a fighter. Yes, he's got a win over Cheeto Vera um, as, a, as a dog, I believe. Um, I don't know if he could beat Cheeto Vera today. Uh, another fight, which, you know, I see this as a GPP fight. I don't know if I would be comfortable playing Bermudas and Cass simply for the fact that, you know, he has shown that he is susceptible to being struck. Um, although I will back Bermudez and I do like him um, as a target for GPPs. Chris, what do you, how do you have this one? Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of echo what Joe said a bit. Um, although the, the fact that he is a one-trick po pony um, kind of sours me on him a little bit. I mean, it's, it's not even – it's not even though he's a wrestler. His, his only uh, actual legit takedown in that fight came on some really sloppy wrestling where he was able to get a, a um, desperation shot from his knees. Um, he's more like Damian Maya than anything. His game is, is to connect with you somehow, some way, and uh, get it to the floor. And I think that um, – I think Davy Grant uh, will keep distance a little better. I, I, I did just finish saying – that Stasiak was getting uh, sing single legs on Grant, but I don't think Bermudez is going to execute a single leg here. I think I think a lot of his um, 
I think a lot of his ways to get to the ground is going to be what you see, what you saw from him in the Morales fight and what you see from Damian Maya, which is, you know, uh, connect with you somehow and, and try to pull half guard and just try to get on the ground any way you can. The problem with that is I think, um, Grant is an experienced fighter. I think that anybody who fights Manny Bermudez from now on in is going to have one thing and one thing only to focus on. Uh, Morales bombed on him, hurt him more than once in that fight. I just, I just can't trust it. And, and I'm fu- I fully um, accept the fact that he might just take this straight to the ground and get a first-round sub. And for that reason, I'm certainly not going to fade him. But I think Davy Grant is going to be under-owned here. Um, Everyone can't be under-owned, Chris. In rule of some, well, I, just, I only said it twice. Well, it's, and it's Davy Grant, too. So, you know, I mean, recency bias and all. You guys know all that. But um, I really think that, um, you know, people see Bermudez and they, they see this up and it was impressive. It was an impre- it was impressive work. But I mean, he also almost got knocked out about two or three times. So, you know, I'm going to have some grant here and I'm not going to be surprised if he knocks him out. But I'm also going to uh, lean on the first round sub with Bermudez as well. Davy Grant, by the way, pulled out. This fight was supposed to happen a few months ago. He pulled out with the staff infection for for what it's worth, hasn't fought in a while. Next up, we have, ooh, did I go out? I think I went out of order before. Yeah, I skipped the fight. Sorry, guys. Oh, no. You were following on DraftKings. No, no. I, I went to Ledette Rockage and then Grant Bermudez. I should have done those in, in reverse order. That's and I right. I screwed myself up. Next up, we have Nad Naramani at 9,100, taking on Khalid Taha at 7,100. Holy variance, Joe. I, this is a fight I, I hate. Um, trying to break down, but for GPPs, I think you need a ton of. Khalid Taha is a wild brawler. Uh, Nad Naramani came up through Cage Warriors. I think is is a, the better all-around prospect. The problem is for the guy like Taha, who's going to brawl, is it spells GPP fight, especially with both guys making their debut. Overall, I'm going to lead Naramani because he has more skills to get it done, but Taha with that wild, wild style is not one I'm going to fade. Uh, Chris, how do you have it? Yeah, I'm actually gonna lean um, Taha here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a little bit. I, I don't think he's a, he's a he's a wild brawler so much. I, I think he's a he's a he's a decent boxer. He's got good uh, hand speed. He throws in combination. He's got relentless pressure. Um, he's 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 really susceptible to the takedown. Um, that's one of his problems. That actually got him subbed out in a fight he was winning uh, in Ryzen uh, either last year or two years ago. But, um, you know, as a top controller, he's not bad. Um, he's got good head position. He, um, he can, he can um, lock up positions as a, as a top control grappler. But uh, his bottom game leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, Nad Naramani is also going to try to pressure fight. He works the body well. You know, he's a big imposing figure. He's probably going to have the strength advantage here. Um, but I just sort of favor Taha's hand speed and combination punching. So I'm going to do a slight lean towards Taha, but I agree that this is one that you should target uh, both legs and GPPs. Joe, this is a GPP week. I think it's a GPP fight. How do you have it? Actually, you know, I like Naramani a bit in cash. Um, you know, as, you know, the only person 9K or higher that I have more confidence in in cash would be would be uh, Tybora. So I like him a bit in cash. Um, again, you know, Brett, Brett, child me on chided me on using this comparison but um you know naramani has the 
the marquee win over McGregor 2.0, um, Patty Pimblett, um, uh, you know, that everybody was touting as the next Connor, um, which is a really solid win um, for him. He's got more experience. He's better rounded. Um, I like him a bit here. I think he's sneaky. He's kind of sliding a bit under the radar, um, you know, because he is not as flashy as some of the other fighters, you know, in that 9K or higher range. Um, I do like him a bit in cash, um, although I am really struggling, I should admit, at putting together a cash lineup. Yeah, I, I think most people are. Uh, this is it's 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 a weird it's a weird range. I, I like in that range for cash. I like Bermudez and Stosic, but I can see an argument for Naramani. I'm just afraid of the style that um that Taha could bring to this fight. No, I I, would, I think you need to use some Taha and GPPs as well. I totally agree. All right, moving on to uh, the one of the fights I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about because we have Twitter mush, everyone. And Twitter mush has been burning people left and right. It is Emil Meek at 8,400 against Mr. Mush. Bartaz Fabinski at 7,800. Fabinski has become Twitter mush because he marches forward and he looks for takedowns. And Emil Meek was taken down time after time by Kamaru Usman. No one's comparing the grappling of Usman to Fabinski, but it's that style. Meek would defend the first takedown for a few seconds and then jump a guillotine. Hopefully he's learned how to stop a takedown. I don't think Fabinski's are as good. There's also some extracurricular stuff in that Fabinski's been out for two and a half years. You know, injuries, USADA, we don't really know. Is he going to be the same? Overall, Fabinski's fine in cash because I think he's going to be the chalk of the week. I like Meek a bit as leverage in tournaments. This is where I'm going to use the, the Chris adage of I think he's going to be under-owned. I think if this fight is at range for any length of time, Meek gets a knockout. I think he's the better athlete, younger guy, and I got a little bit of leverage. So give me a meal Meek here. But if, if you, you're struggling to build a cash lineup as so many people are, you plug in Fabinski, I, I think it's going to get you to a lot of five-on-fives. And if – he has any success, it's going to be through the grappling and put up a big score. So that's how I have this fight, Joe. So we got the Polish Khabib here. Um, oh, God, please. Against, <laughs> against Emil Meek, who survived against Usman and is now actually training with Usman. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. I saw the video, He's yeah. actually training with Usman now. Again, I don't know that, you know, a short period of time in training, even with, a, with an Usman, is going to yield, you know, stellar results. However, um, Meek is a physical freak. Um, you know, he, he looks like he's got, he's in shape. He's got good cardio, um, going against the guy that's going to be dead shock because of 16 takedowns in two fights against less than stellar, uh, UFC opposition. I won't go as far as calling him cans. No, 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 no. You will call Gareth McClellan a can on this podcast. McClellan is a can. He is, at least he's under 40. Um, you know, so so yeah, McClellan is is the worst fighter to ever don a a Nike outfit for UFC. Um, so yeah, I I am totally on board with you um, about using Meek and you know for GPPs. Um, you know, I wish I knew why uh, the Polish Khabib has been out for you know nearly three years. I mean, but those sixteen takedowns, people are going to look at that at seven point eight k and say DraftKings gold. You know, 16 takedowns in two fights. Um, you know, but again, you know, he's he doesn't have the the he doesn't wrestle at the level of Usman. And Meek survived three rounds with Usman. 
So, look, I'm going to pick Neek to win. Um, you know, it's not, again, this is not my 7 out of 10 fight either. I'm going to pick Meek to win here. I think that you should probably have some exposure to both sides. Um, I, I think Meek and GPPs and, and for Brinsky and Cash would probably not be the worst strategy in the world to pursue. However, I don't see Fabrinsky as the lock, the cash lock sub 8K fighter that I think a lot of people do. All right. Joe, me and you agree. So that means, Chris, take it away. I just, just to hammer this point home, uh, when was the last time you saw a fighter get two three-round decision wins and score 100 points or better in both of them? That's crazy. Yeah. So- When's the last time the DraftKings scored two regional MMA fights? Yeah, like, yeah well, no, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, but you saw Jessica Aguilar get 128 significant strikes. Oh, don't start, please. I'll just I'll have a seizure on this friggin' podcast. Let's fight metric. If anybody from fight metric is listening, shove it. And I'm sorry, you know what? If Jake gives me a talking to after this, because Rotowire and fight metric are any way connected, I'll take it. But fight metric, you are garbage. I mean, sorry, oh Chris. my god, how do you give a fighter credit for more strikes than sh- significant strikes than she actually threw? I, I don't – I'll never understand that. All right. I don't know focus. what you guys are talking about. I thought it was great. Yeah. Focus. Well, let's all focus. Okay. I had her to win. I had her to win. <sighs> yeah. Chris, uh, Fabinski, Meek. All right. Well, if, if everybody's done with their tirades, I was going to say, um, you know, poor, poor Emil Meek. I mean, he, he had to defend some takedowns from Jordan Mean in that fight. Then he fights Usman. Now he's now he's taking this fight. I mean, the guy has you know wrestling defense coming out of his ears. I should I should think, but um, you know I really think that a lot of um, Emil Mix get ups because he does manage to stop the first shot and, and get up sometimes, and it requires him being dragged back to the ground. A lot of it is him just he manning his, his way uh, back up because, as you guys mentioned, he is sort of chiseled out of rock. He's very strong. I think he might be able to do that here and maybe get some more separation as a result. Um, you know, the thing about uh, Fabinski is, you know, everything is very much, like he's not trying to fool you. He's not trying to, he throws one strike and then he tries to get you against the fence. It's all he does. It's very rote. Once he gets you to the ground, he's actually got some really good ground and pound. Um, he's heavy on top or he can be, but um, yeah, I, this is a tough, this is a tough one to call. I, Part of me just just sees uh, Mech knowing that you know he, he's tired of getting taken down by these wrestlers. As Joe alluded to, he's training with Usman now, so you know he angles off and, and knocks him out. I can totally see that happening, um, or he gets stuck on bottom. But I'm going to lean towards uh, Mech staying on his feet and getting that knockout. But otherwise, I totally um, agree with what you guys say. Uh, you got to look at him in cash because of the points he can generate. I mean, you got to look at him in tournaments because of the points he can generate as well. But um, as far as far as who's the better put together fighter, it's Max. So that's where I'm going. All right. Next up, a fight that I want to be really, really clear about. You can pull my lineups. You can sort through them on Saturday. I will have zero goddamn shares of this fight. Wow. Nick Nick Hine at 8,500 taking on Demir Hadzevic at 7,700. I'm going to take Nick Hine because I think he's a little better everywhere. But in his UFC wins, he scored 65, 58, 53 DraftKings points. Um, in the 53-point win, he did have two 
takedowns. That's ultimately where I think he has success here because Hadzovic can't stop a takedown. Um, he should be 0-3 in the UFC. He got a third-round knockout over Marcin Held. I know the takedowns of Held and Alan Patrick are better than one of the against Nick Hine, but Nick Hine fighting at home, I think it's just the all-around better prospect here. I'll take Nick Hine to win, and this is the fight I'll probably go make a sandwich. Chris? Uh, that's good. We should do that once a card, the sandwich fight. That's a good one. But, um, yeah, it would definitely be this one, I think. I, I, I don't know. I, I just can't really pick Nick Hine to win a fight. I just... He's so, he had, he had so much trouble finding range in general. He's the ultimate one heavy punch counter striker. He, he just doesn't, as you alluded to by, by, um, you know, mentioning his scoring, he just doesn't do a lot. Uh, I think I, I actually looked at the fight metric because I know he does have that judo. I think it, I think it's under one takedown for 15 minutes. So I wouldn't rely on that either. I, um, at least, at least, um, Hatsvex is going to come forward. At least he's going to th- uh, try to throw strikes in combinations. I don't think Nick Hyatt is going to do something like hit a reactive double on them. If um, he gets caught, we saw in, in the uh, Marais fight, he, got, he, threw, he threw a light kick and he got countered by an overhand. That could happen here, I suppose. But otherwise, in a fight like this, I'm just happy to take the dog. It's going to be slow moving. It's going to, you know, Demir's going to have a lot of time to work. Um, I think he could outvolume him here. I think he could overwhelm him here. And um, in a fight like this, where it's just going to be where the higher price guy is just going to be so slow and inactive, you know, I'm going to take the dog and see what I get. All right, Joe, in your 80 lineups, how, how much of this, what I think is impending disaster, do you have? I would, uh, I would play Hein and I would consider Hein as a cash play potentially um, and, and Demir in uh, GPPs, but I have very little of this fight overall. We agree. Uh, who, who who are you picking to win? Hine. Hine. All right, let's move on to a fight that I think I'm um, I am opposite of the public opinion on. We have Mark Diakesi, 8,900, taking on Nazrat Hakparast at 7,300. I think Hakparast is a dog who's getting a lot of love here. Yes, he looks just like Kelvin Gastelum, which is weird. Um, looked okay against Marcin Held. Young prospect, well-rounded, but I think ultimately Diakesi is the better prospect, but people are down on him because he's lost two fights in a row. He's lost to Dan Hooker and he's lost to Dracar Close. That knockout against Timu Pakalan actually had him getting away from his wrestling. And that's where I think he's going to have success in this fight. I think he's the more explosive athlete. He has the power wrestling, which I like on DraftKings. I think he'll be able to wrestle uh, Hack Paras down and get a decision that way. I... I think Hack Press will be the more popular of the two. I'm not going to fade him because he is live in this fight. It is two young fighters. But overall, I like Diakesi. Uh, Joe? Okay, so I think this is a great fight to target for GPPs. Um, I, I like that that Hapurist has spent some time at TriStar for this camp. I like that he spent some time, I believe, at Kings. Um, at least he's getting you know training. He's young. Um, I think that Dikazi can get frustrated. Dikazi, however, um, you know, it is not a very strong pick, but I am going to take the dog here. Um, I believe, you know, there's some value in the dog, although I'm pretty equally weighted um, in Mass Entry GPPs in this fight. Um, so you could easily convince me that Dikazi is the better play. Um, 
but I'm pretty equally weighted. I'm just going to, for selection purposes, I'm going to take the dog. Chris, how about you? Um, yeah, I, for just for, um, to get it out of the way, I have to say that I've never been a Diakese fan, um, for much the same reason that, I, that I've never been a, um, Lando Venata fan. I, I think, I think a lot of these, um, style over substance guys, they can produce, uh, you know, you know, big time knockouts that are, that are highlight grabbing and they get you a lot of points or whatever. But I think that a lot of times when they run into athletic technical strikers, they just get beat. And I think that's what you're going to see here. I, I actually uh, like Hakparaz quite a bit. I think he's got good, good, solid straight punches. He's got power. He can wrestle too. He, um, he has wrestling in his back pocket if he wants the game plan that way. I don't know if he will. I know that Diakese has some wrestling too. He used it in that, um, what was that, the Frankie Perez fight after he was he was down on the cards. And that was good, you know, to see him come back from a little adversity. But um, uh, Diakese strikes me as a fighter where, like, you know, if you can if you can get past the first minute and a half, you got a good chance of winning. He's going to throw all his Ryu spinning kicks at you. And then if you can fade it and get into your own pace and rhythm and uh, press the action, get out of range of those kicks, which I think Hakparaz can do, I think, um, I, I think, I think he's very beatable, and I think Hakparaz will beat him. And I actually have a, a pretty strong lean towards him in this fight. Chris, you like so many underdogs that it's ridiculous this week. I know. I, you know, that's not that, – that really wasn't uh, planned on this card, but uh, – you know, you got to go with what you feel and uh, die on the sword, which I have done many times and will do many times in the future. Speaking of dying on the sword, it's my turn. Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts, 9,400, taking on David Zawada at 6,800. The odds on this fight, which I skipped the last couple of fights. I apologize, guys. Diakessi, by the way, to backtrack for a second, Diakessi's minus 170, Hot Paras is plus 150. This fight, Danny Roberts, minus 360, the biggest favorite on the card. Zawada is plus 300. I have a bet on this fight. I have, I believe, I think it's half a unit on David Zawada to win by KO. TKO at plus 615. Look, if I'm wrong on Zawada, fine. He's the, he's the least expensive fighter on the card. I'm going to have him a decent amount in GPPs. I'll be overweight, but I'll have plenty of live lineups. If I decide to plug him in in cash, it means they could pay up elsewhere. You know, it, it, I don't think it's the worst strategy this week. Danny Roberts, though, in my mind, to be on the optimal lineup at 9,400, unless, like Chris is thinking, four or five dogs win, he needs a first-round finish. What I've seen on Zawada, the dude is tough. He, is, he was going to get a UFC call. He's been in KSW for a while. He's... An okay fighter. I'm not going to go say he's a great fighter. Danny Roberts is better technically. But what I can say about Zawada is he's tough. I think he drags this in into deep waters. He is taking the fight on short notice. He could flame out there. But we have seen Roberts knocked out by Mike Perry and Nordin Taleb. And people, I think, are high on him after a win over Olivier Encamp, which Encamp, I don't think he's still in the UFC anymore. Um, he, needed to, he needed to go back to, to the regional scene. So... This is where I'm finding my salary saving this week. If I'm wrong, for the reasons I mentioned, I don't think it'll kill me, but I'll take David Zawada. Chris, let me have it. Yeah, well, I'm glad you know what it's like to feel like the weirdo for once. But, um, yeah, I, I, this, is my, this is my Jeremy Kimball. I, I, don't, I don't get this one. I think that um, Roberts is pretty much better everywhere. 
um, from what I've seen of Zawada, because tracking down tape is a little difficult, not quite as difficult as um, some of the other fighters earlier in the card. But um, I, I just think he's he's very hittable. Um, I think that Roberts has very clean, very hard striking. He's got good body kicks. Uh, he can grapple a little bit. He can wrestle a little bit. And I just think that this is going to be way too much. Even if it wasn't short notice, I would be picking Roberts. The fact that it is um, short notice, I, I, I just can't um, I can't go anywhere but Roberts in this fight. So this is one where I'm going to join the rest of uh, society here and uh, have a lot of, uh, you know, the favorite in the fold, which probably means that he will lose. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stack up on Roberts. I've always liked him as a fighter. You know, he leaves his chin out there sometimes to get caught. I understand that completely. But I got to go with the better fighter here. And in this case, who I believe is the way better fighter. And I think that's Robert. Joe, I'm assuming you're not on my side in this one. But I'll be okay with it. But I, 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 I pretty much agree with everything Chris said. It's, you know, I just don't see this guy as being better or even in the same league as either of the fighters who, who finished Roberts. I mean, he's certainly not, um, you know, as good as, as Mike Perry, who would destroy him. He's certainly not as good as Nordine Taleb. Now, Nordine, Nordine Taleb finishing Roberts was a little surprising because he's more of a points fighter. Um, but I still think that he is just leagued better than, than this guy. Um, the short notice aspect of it. Um, you know, the fact that I think Roberts is better everywhere to to Chris's point. Um, look, look, I would never bet him at minus 360. I just don't see him as a minus 360 type of fighter. However, for DraftKings, if you're putting together a lineup where you're looking for finishers, I certainly see putting Roberts in that lineup. I do think you should probably have a few shares of the dog in case he does connect. But I would be fairly surprised. Uh, if he lost, this is also, by the way, not my seven out of 10 confidence level fight. This is probably a 6.9, um, you know, but because of the fact that Roberts could be susceptible to getting hit. Um, but I do like Roberts a fair amount here. All right, moving on. Marcin Tybora, 9,000, taking on Stefan Struve, 7,200. Struve is the skyscraper who is also super unreliable, also not very active. It is a heavyweight fight, so we'll have a little of both sides, but overall, I do think Tybora, um, as you guys were saying in the last fight, Tybora is the one who's a little better everywhere as long as he can find his way inside. He can grapple, just has to avoid the, the long limbs and submissions of the ground. Overall, I think Tybora gets this one done. Um, doesn't score incredibly highly, but I, I actually think he's relatively safe. So I'll take Martian Tybora. Joe? Okay, so this is my 7 out of 10. Um, Tybora, I mean, the... <laughs> the takedown machine and elite wrestler that we all know Andre Arlovsky to be um, <laughs> took down Struve four times. I was shocked. Um, I have to believe that Struve is a shot fighter here. Um, I don't think Tybor is a world beater, but I think he is an extremely safe play on this card. He will get his takedowns. Struve has never, ever been a fighter who's fought at range. He's been finished way too many times. He has admittedly had anxiety issues um, going into fights. Um, I, you know, again, I don't know what he's going to score, which is why I'm a little hesitant to say that he's a must play in GPPs. But I do think he should be a core component of a cash lineup. Um, and that is uh, Tybora. 
Chris? Yeah, um, hard to disagree here. I just look, Struve's got his good kicks. If he can get on top, if he can get on top in a grappling situation, he can make something happen. But other than that, as, as Joe said, he, he, he doesn't have a jab, which is amazing for how, how big he is. He um, has the tall man defense where he just sort of leans his head back and backs up when he come in, which, you know, can get you trapped against the fence and overwhelmed and knocked out. Um, and the, the um, takedowns that Tybora likes, to Joe's point, are the same ones that Orlovsky was hitting, those double underhook clinch trip takedowns. So I would imagine that he's going to get uh, a few of those. He's going to be quite a bit faster than Struve here, I think. He's going to be um, – he's, he's got those nice head kicks that he likes to land. He likes to throw those front kicks to the body and to the leg, um, which I think could really um, wreak havoc on a taller guy. So, yeah, I like um, – I like uh, Marcin Tybor pretty much everywhere, but I haven't said it in a couple of fights, Sean, so please permit me. Um, I think Struve is going to be really under-owned. I don't think anybody's going to have him um, because of the recency bias. And, you know, it's duly earned. That, that, that I wouldn't even call it a bias. I would call it, I would call it you know, um, looking at the evidence and, and taking it where it leads you. But nevertheless, it is a heavyweight fight. Uh, we do have a guy who can – finish on the ground and, and connect with some head with a head kicker too. So if you want to sprinkle in a, a tiny uh, smear, like a, like a, like a little sprinkle of, uh, of uh, Struve, I wouldn't hate it, but otherwise, yeah, Tiber has got to be the main player. I will tell you that in mass entry GPPs that to support, to support Sean's point that no one is really going to be under owned here. Um, I have 17% Struve in my, and I don't like him all that much. But, you know, I think you really got to spread here. I have uh, 17% Struve in, in mass entry GPPs. My guess will be that um, overall he's going to be a little less than that. But we'll see. We, we, have, we have three fights left. But first, I'm going to throw out a challenge. And we can put, we can put a, you know, a small amount of money in the line for it. We can, we can, we can, we can work it out afterwards. We'll, we'll announce it on Twitter. The $8 big big GPP a ownership projection contest. So we're making you. We'll, we'll come up with a range, project everyone's ownership. If you if you get within plus or minus 3% or whatever we decide, you get you count it as getting a fighter right. Most fighter rights wins, and we'll figure it out. I'm horrible at this. You might as well just take my money now. Yes, so am I, quite you frankly. Know, like, well, I'm challenging Chris to it just because okay. if everyone's going to be under-owned, freaking, like, you're not going to have enough money. Out. You're not going to have enough percentage out there. Well, you know, I, r relative to where you would think they would be owned is kind of what I mean when I say yeah, that. That's why I want to, you know, even if there's no money, please at some point just post your projected ownerships. Okay. I will. I'll, I'll, you know me, I'm, I'm never shy about being wrong about pretty much everything. You know, I, I, bear, I bear my soul on this pod, so... I have no problem uh, putting it out there. You, you got it. You'll get it. Uh, looking at, at the chat, by the way, um, I, I'm going to guess this is Nancy MMA one. You, you can, I could be saying that way wrong, but um, says Tybor has some of the most flexible hips he's ever seen in heavyweight. I agree with that. The dude is oddly athletic for for, yeah. for heavyweight. And he also said that 17% uh, Struve has to be overweight to the field. I actually think that's about field weight. Um, See, but, I would agree. I agree. Yeah, I think I think that's right in the nose. Uh, next up, Abu Azatar, eighty-eight hundred, taking on Vitor Miranda 
at 7,400. The odds on this fight is Azatar is a newcomer, minus 190. Miranda, plus 165. Well, look, the problem is Vitor's old, and he has one round of gas, and then when it's gone, it's gone. We'll let Joe talk about um, Azatar's weird connections to, to the German mafia that, that I've heard about. Oh, I, I don't know that. That's a narrative I don't have. Yeah, oh, he's written that somewhere. Yeah, he, he's got some weird unknown connections to, to, to the German mafia. So, I, I mean, when I when I see that, my, my first thought is, is this dude going to take a dive? Like, either way, I'm not playing him in cash. I think it's the GPP fight because Miranda's first round knockout or bust. But I do think Azatar is the better fighter. Um, like I said, you just got to get, get, get through the first five minutes. He's an okay. He's okay everywhere. So I'll take Azatar, but not a fight I'm looking forward to in cash. Uh, Chris, uh, yeah, I um, I hate to go. I hate to go with the dog again here, but um, I, I don't. I don't know if I am completely. Look, I the way I'm looking at this fight is um, if Azatar, because we saw in, in the in the um in Miranda's fight with uh, Marvin Vittori, he had trouble with Marvin's hand speed. He had trouble with Marvin's pressure, and um, Abu Azatari has hand speed, and if he does pressure, I think that Miranda's going to have the same problems. But we've also seen him sort of just hang out and let his opponent dictate where the fight takes place. And if that happens, and if Miranda has the time to set up all the thunderous kicks that he throws, um, he's got good leg, body, and head kicks. I think that um, Miranda could really get a lot of work done here. I think. So I, basically, I think it's an IQ test for um, the new fighter here. If he pressures and comes forward and negates that leg kicks, those leg kicks and those kicks in general, I think he wins pretty easily. If he doesn't and he gives Miranda space to work, I think it could be interesting. I think we could be potentially looking at a knockout here. So um, take that for what it's worth. Um, my, my 15th dog play of the night, I think, for those of you playing at home. But um, – I think this is a close fight too, and I could see a stoppage either way. I just adding in Joe, this will be going to you. Auto Roadrunner in the chat um, ha- has a little more off the top of the head knowledge on this. The rumor he said the rumor is that he threw gasoline on a guy and stole his Ferrari when he was fifteen. He called it kid stuff. WTF? That's that's wow. about accurate there. So um, yeah, on that note, Abu Azatar or Vitor Miranda. Wow. Um, If I was going to, and I have no plans to actually straight bet up this card, um, I would be tempted. There's currently plus money offered on does not go the distance on this fight. I would, I would take, yeah, it's it's plus 100. It's minus 130 that the fight goes three rounds. So I would be very tempted to make a wager on, on the doesn't go three rounds in this fight. Um, I see, I see Miranda as a seven to nine minute fighter here. Um, and I think for those seven to nine minutes, he should have superiority um, as, the, as the veteran and having faced, you know, UFC competition before. God, I don't really want to make a pick in this fight. I don't really like either side, but I will, just because I know very little about his opponent here, um, I will take Miranda. Just, you know, I was, I, I looked at my bets yesterday and made one more a, a little earlier and I somehow missed that line. I'm absolutely going to go put 
at least a unit on that. That is a really good line for that. Yeah, so. I like that. That's the only play I really that really jumped out at me. I have quite a few I like in this card, but this is a DFS podcast, and so let's move to the main event where we have some thoughts uh, in our chat. Continuing, it is Glover to share at eighty six hundred, taking on Corey Anderson at seventy six hundred. The odds in this fight, Glover to share is a minus one fifty five favorite. The comeback on Corey Anderson is plus one thirty five. Auto Roadrunner asks, "Is Glover better in the clinch?" And Tom Green says that Anderson's glass jaw is going to break. That is the concern with Corey Anderson. Glover's getting up there, guys, and I like what I've seen from Anderson. The big worry, of course, is the chin, so thank God he's cheap. He showed last time he can fight to a game plan against Patrick Cummings. Um, He looked good against OSP, or he fought to a game plan against OSP and got caught in the uh, third round. I don't think Teixeira is as dangerous on the feet as OSP. The problem is, is that Glover has some power and has good counter-wrestling. Overall, though, I think Anderson gets this done with some relentless wrestling, gets a couple takedowns, and wins a close decision. Um, Glover also took a ton of damage against, against Alexander Gustafson. I just think Anderson's path to victory through the takedowns, while he's not going to have an easy time of it, that's the way I see this fight going. I, I just like Anderson a little bit more everywhere as, as the, the younger fighter who's better in the wrestling department. The worry, absolutely, Tom, is the uh, chin. Like, absolutely terrifying that he could get knocked out. But that being said, the pick here is still Anderson. Joe? So I was at Anderson's last fight in Atlantic City, and it was super impressive. However, Cummings is – he knew exactly what Cummings was going to throw at him, right? That was There was no surprise – the Cummings game and Cummings is a lower level fighter, in my opinion. Um, one who I believe Teixeira just dominated when they fought as well. Um, you know, it was an equal, equally dominating fight. Um, you know, Cummings being the ex-barista. Um, I, you know, this is really a hard one for me because part of me would like to say, okay, Anderson's rounded the corner. Um, he's going to fight a lot smarter. Um, in the OSP fight, all he had to do was keep away from OSP for, for five minutes, and he had that fight won. Um, and we, we've seen OSP just win fights that he had no business winning and look better than anyone thought he could have been. Um, so uh, two years ago, I hands down, I love Teixeira. And then, this is a tough one for me. I, I don't even know if I could say this would be a great fight to target. Um, for GPPs, because I just, if it goes to a three-round decision, yes, there'll be some takedowns, but, you know, I don't know who's going to be dominant. I, I think I think you should probably use both fighters. Gow, I'm going to pick Teixeira. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go with the veteran here. Um, again, I, I think the recency bias and the price is going to make Anderson very, very popular. Um, I, I, Think to share is better. Um, I think he could outstrike him. Um, although an Anderson win would not surprise me here. So I would say have exposure to both sides, but my pick is going to be to share. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, guys, I swear to God, I'm not trying to pick every dog, but um, I, I just, I just <laughs> think that $4,000 left over. Yeah. I know this is, I'm, I'm going to win with the most money left on the table ever. It's going to be epic. I'll post it up for you guys. But um, I, I I really think that, uh, you know, Glover Teixeira kind of scares me. 
even in, in the last fight that he won, um, he was getting boxed up by Serkinov until, in fact, the last two fights, um, he wasn't exactly getting boxed up by um, uh, Jared Cannonier, wasn't getting dominated in the same way. But in both fights, um, when that, the fights were on the feet, he was getting cracked. And he had to lean on his takedown game very heavily uh, to to win those fights. And then once he had shaken off on the ground, of course, he let his jiu-jitsu take over. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that to Corey Anderson. And to Joe's point, um, I too thought the Cummins um, performance was very impressive. I liked uh, that we saw some creative striking. Uh, we saw some elbows um, from the clinch. We saw knees up the middle. Um, and that could come into play against Glover, who uh, tends to duck his head, dip his head, as uh, a lot of boxers do. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of like Joe in that um, I'm always looking for Anderson to turn the corner. I thought it happened after the uh, Sean O'Connell fight because he was more aggressive. It, it That wasn't really the case. Now I think it's probably happening again. I, I love the aggressiveness, and I love the creative striking, and Glover has just been looking slow lately. I think Anderson's going to be faster. I, I would push back only a little bit on on the idea that his chin is totally gone, only because I think that, you know, any listen, anybody gets knocked out by that OSB head kick. Nobody would stand that. You might say that the, the check left took from uh, Jimmy Manor was a little questionable. That's fine. But um, do I think he's going to blow up when he gets hit by the on the chin? I don't really think that. He, he got hit um, pretty hard by Patrick Cummins. And say what you will about him. The one thing he does do is hit pretty hard, so um, I'm not I'm not overly worried about that. Uh, to answer our chat question, I think um, one of the best places that Glover has this fight standing is in the clinch. He likes to throw those tight hooks from the clinch in close range, so Anderson would do well to keep his distance. But if he can do that, I sort of expect him to put on a performance here, and uh, I hope he does because my card is going to be him and about nine other dogs. It seems like. We'll see if we can make it 10 as we move to the main event. Anthony <laughs> Lionheart-Smith, 8,700, taking on Mauricio Shogun, who is 7,500. Jad who in the open, uh, but he is a legend of, of MMA. He's down to fighting about once a year. He is on a three-fight win streak. Uh, Corey Anderson, though, uh, that fight is anywhere but Brazil. Uh, Anderson wins that fight. I have no idea how Hua got the nod. I rewatched it. Still don't get it. Uh yeah, I, I Dave Dave and Chad said that Cummins hits really hard. Doesn't know about that. Just to backtrack, I, yeah. I, I think that um, the one thing Cummins does is wrestling. But they are two o fivers. And Anderson's your point about Anderson's chin looking worse than it is from two straight knockouts. I, I do get, but I do agree that Cummins hits hard when his body hits the octagon floor. <laughs> did yeah. I did I put it really in there? If I if I did, I didn't mean to. He hits hard. Can we say hard without the without the uh, modifier hard? Well, He's a pro fighter. All right, sorry. Okay. Fair, backing, fair enough. backing into to, to the main event, Shogun Hua, three-fight losing uh, winning streak should be alternating wins and losses. Taking on Anthony Smith, who uh, went up to 205, looked good at 205, not in the win over Rashad Evans. Yes, he looked good in it, but just how his body looked. He was clearly cutting too much to make 185. We could have the weight class conversation another day. That being said, you know, He's he's got wins over Hector Lombard, loss over uh, you know he got starched by uh, Tiago Santos. It comes down to I think a lot of people are picking with their heart on this one, and Mauricio Shogunhua. Well, 
you heard it last time. I'm not the biggest fan of show of um, Anthony Smith. People are yelling Shogun in chat. Look, he he's an old fighter. The game has kind of passed him by. He he's he's not going to knock out Anthony Smith. I don't think. I think Smith can keep the the pressure on him. I think this fight likely ends somewhere in the third or fourth round. I think these guys will stand and trade. Overall, I give it to Anthony Smith just being the more well-rounded fighter at this point in his career, less damage. I like Anthony Smith here, but I'm having a hard time reading this fight, partially because, like everyone, I am a Shogun Hua fan. I'll take Anthony Smith, but I'm hoping in the next 48 hours I I get – or 36 hours I I get some more – some more clarity. Tom Green, you know what? This is a really good way to put it. Anthony Smith probably is losing this fight until he wins it. I could see him losing slightly on the feet, and at some point he just takes over and finishes Shogun. That's, I really like that that um, thought. Chris, how do you have our main event? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the, the blueprint for Anthony Smith wins, uh, I think. But, um, you know, I, I, think, I think Shogun uh, doesn't get enough credit as being a good counterpuncher. I think he's still a really good counterpuncher. I think, I think we, we've seen that in a lot of his fights now. Um, the Volante fight, the Anderson fight too, where he had him hurt at the end of the first round, had him wobbled. Um, I, I do think it's going to be, it's going to be a bit tough for him, you know, to get inside on the frame of uh, Anderson. I think uh, Anderson, um, well, uh, Lionheart Smith, Anthony Smith. There you go. But, uh, but I do. I also think that um, you know, I, I Anthony Smith isn't you know the cleanest striker in the world. He'll keep range sometimes. We saw that well in the uh, Elvis Matopchik fight. But um, the other big thing that we need to mention is that uh, he gets taken down by pretty much anybody who wants to take him down. And uh, we've seen Shogun work a wrestling game. He's still got ferocious ground and pound that could very well be a path to victory. A game plan for Shogun to take. If that does happen, we have to be worried about him gassing. So that's another aspect. We know that Anthony Smith is going to be there till the end of the fight. Ultimately, I think what probably happens is Anthony Smith wears him down with um, body kicks and keeps him on the end of his range. But if Shogun employs a wrestling game and hits a hard counter or two to to change the momentum of some of the rounds, I I don't think this is an unwinnable fight for Shogun. I I think he's a live dog. Joe, main event time. Okay, so if two years ago I put up a Twitter poll asking what would be more likely, you know, Anthony Smith, you know, main eventing or Anthony Smith being out of the UFC, I would say it would be nine to one, Anthony Smith out of the UFC. Um, The level of competition that he's faced has been less than stellar. Lionheart is a great nickname for him because I think you and Chris both alluded to the fact that he has made his living in the UFC by hanging around, right? By last outlasting guys who got the better of him. Um, I think this is a very winnable fight for who as well. I'm a little concerned about the notice, the fact that he's flying to Germany. I don't know how many times Smith has fought outside of the country. I know he's got a lot, a, a big resume. So I'm assuming he's fought outside of the country before. Um, I think this fight is an excellent fight to target for GPPs. Uh, The inside the distance prop is off the charts. Um, I just, you know, look, I'm going to pick Anthony Smith to win, 
just simply because I do think that the longer the fight goes, the advantage is going to shift over to him. And he's got, I think, the ability to take a punch better um, than, than Shogun does. Um, but I do think you should have shares of both guys. This is a great fight to target in GPPs. I will pick Smith as the winner. All right, guys. It is hot take time. Uh, they've, you know, we've actually been, it seems like one of us has been hitting the last few weeks. I think last week, two people hit. So let's see if we can continue it. I know I'm going to make this really hard. So one of you guys needs to come through cause I'm going, I'm going to stay on brand. I'm going to continue my, my crazy non, non societal pick here. I got David Zawada to break the slate. He is going mm. to, I'm picking him to knock out Danny Roberts. And if you don't have some, no Zawada, no money. Well, he'll definitely break my heart if that happens, but I, I, I'm still not so sure. But uh, as far as my risky, got to take risks here. Uh, I, I don't know anything about that on this card. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm Mr. Button Up over here, but uh, I will stick with my um, underdog theme for my hot take. I will say the winning lineup will have more than five hundred dollars left on it. Not hot. That's not hot. A thousand. It's got to be a thousand. All right. All right. A thousand then. Okay. All right. That's, I, I thought you were going to say like 1500. Like I, we've seen that before, but I'll give you a thousand. A thousand is a hefty amount. Joe, hot take for us. Okay. So um, I, my hot take is that, um, that Kevin Gastelum's doppelganger is uh, going to not only get the win, but get the finish. Giving D- Dia Casey his third consecutive loss. Oh, see, that would break my heart. So <laughs> it's an interesting week for, for hot takes here. As uh, so we yeah. got for UFC Hamburg guys, remember to go check out rotowire.com slash free. 10-day free trial, no credit card required for all their premium content. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Rotowire MMA. This is Fight IQ. We will be back next week for a, a card that I'm really excited for. It is Alvarez Poirier 2 from, uh, from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, so that's Fight IQ this week, guys. Good luck in your contest. And hopefully this, some, some of these crazy picks come through and some, one of our listeners, followers, make some money. So thanks, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Out. I am starving. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.